This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 106, Frankendraft, with Mantis. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. So if you're ever wondering, Mantis, why Hunter and I always have such a weird energy at the beginning of an episode, it's because we do all of this dumb stuff before we start <laughs> recording. So then it's like, oh, okay, now I guess we need to talk normal for a minute, even though we just were not normal for like yeah, two and a half it's, minutes. Nice. It's really funny having a guest because I feel like it calls attention to the awkwardness of it because it's like we're all kind of getting warmed up talking to each other and it's like, okay... Let's kill all that energy right, right now and reset from zero. <laughs> it would be like if you were on a date and you sat down and they were like, you know what? I'm going to leave real quick and come, come back, back in 10 minutes. <laughs> I, I rewatched the uh, the Patreon final intro recently just to kind of like someone reminded me that I did uh, like character intros. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Why did I do character intros? And I went back and watched the final and I did. I did, like, the used car salesman, Schroeder. And what's funny about it is I did all those, which it's, like, a whole written thing. And then I finished it. And then there's, like, ten seconds of silence where everyone's like, okay, are you done? Now what? <laughs> like, <laughs> it was, like, so terrible. I had, no, I had no way to then segue into the game. I just did all these terrible intros and then nothing. It's like, oh, oh yeah, wow. uh, now play, play the board game, please. Thank you. Uh, that and is all. <laughs> And that was when it was just you and Root, right? Yeah, Commentating. yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, it makes me so sad that I was not on that <laughs> that video, actually. Well, that I wasn't there to stop you or be a <laughs> Stop me doing a terrible idea. Well, mm-hmm. regardless, uh, we have, we got Mantis here today, Space Kitty Mantis, uh, and he made us do... He made us do a terrible thing this last weekend. Oh, uh, he made I, he no, he invited us <laughs> to a wonderful I party. I didn't make you do anything. You did it on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Well, regardless, we played this this monstrosity that is beautiful. This beautiful monstrosity, like uh, Frankenstein's monster in a dress, uh, a thing called Frankendraft. And mm-hmm. Mantis, I think right off the bat. Well, first off, we should we should do a little bit of the things that we're supposed to do at the beginning of episodes, like say, hey, we have a we have a tournament. Sign up for our tournament real quick. Uh, Mantis is a member of our Patreon, and if you are a member of our Patreon at any level, you can sign up for the tournament. The actual sign up form for that's going to be coming up really soon, actually. Uh, start of this month, basically, we're going to send out the form. So if you are a member of the Patreon during the months of October or November, you will then get a form to sign up for the tournament for 2020. Um the only other thing for this episode is it's going to be really weird today because we're talking about a crazy variant. So uh, basically, best of luck in terms of keeping up with like ability names. There's going to be a lot of terms that are probably just thrown out. We'll do our best to try to like use the term but then say what the ability actually is. But I have a hunch that we're going to fall behind on some of that. So regardless, right. without further ado... Before we dive into like all the silliness of the game we played and, and all that, I think we just kind of need an overview, Mantis, of like what is Frankendraft and how does it work? All right. Well, first, it, Frankendraft is short for Frankenstein Bagdraft. Um, and as the name kind of implies, it's a type of Bagdraft. Um, and we kind of came up with the idea back when Bagdraft itself was getting a little popular. I guess um, you might need to even explain Bagdraft because people okay, don't sorry. necessarily I'll t- I'll- know what that is. Okay, so taking a step back further, Backdraft, um, it's when you deal all the system tiles and the uh, race selection tokens into bags for each player. So each player would end up with a bag with, let's say, three blue tiles, two red tiles, and two faction tokens. What you do is you look in your bag, you keep one item for yourself, and then you pass the bag to your right. And then you take the bag that you were passed, and you take one more item out. And the goals end up with the same starting composition. You've got your three blue tiles, two red, and, and a faction token. And then you build your galaxy with the tiles you've drafted, and then you pick one of your two factions. Gotcha. So you um, guys thought, this was this is fun and, and a little bit complicated. How can we make it just absolutely the most complicated thing I've ever endured? Well, right. Well, it wasn't <laughs> the original idea wasn't even actually do it. It was, it was me hearing this idea of the bag draft and thinking, 
well, that's just ridiculous. How about mm-hmm. we make it even more ridiculous as a joke? And I said, well, why don't we just chop up all the factions <laughs> and draft pieces of them instead? Because that would be cooler, right? Right, right. And uh, I probably made the joke once or twice again. And then finally, I had like free time on my hands, so I actually <laughs> did it. And uh, and again, it was still a joke, right? Like I, I kind of mocked up what it would look like with one faction. I think I picked a con and I chopped up all the pieces. And I was like, this wasn't too bad. I could probably do it for all of them. Oh, no. So I sh- so I showed it off and said, "Hey, this is you know this was that joke, right?" And and the reception was, "Let's try it." And yeah. I'm not I'm not going to back down from my joke. I'm you know right right. You, you can't you can't call my bluff. I'll do it if you want. <laughs> so and we now did. it's we... turned into a thing that people do every single Friday. Like there is a TTS. There's a part of the TTS community that plays Frank and Draft every single Friday night. That's right. Yeah. So we've been doing that for about a month now. Oh um, my gosh. <laughs> and we've got. We've been aiming for two games because we usually have more than six people interested, but we haven't got two full games going yet. Gotcha. So maybe this week if we get more people interested. Yeah. Um, I, I love that we're doing this episode in honor of Halloween. I, I, <laughs> right. I, Frankenstein's I realized we, we've already gotten into the topic, but I do just want to say this is our spooky Halloween episode. <laughs> um, and if, yeah, if this sounds interesting to you at all, you you guys all need to, to do it. Me and Matt have played it once now at this point. Yep. Um, but Mantis, I wanted to I wanted to ask like who all do we have to thank for this for for this variant existing? I mean, like, obviously, did, did you pretty much build you. the whole? Yeah, did, did you pretty much build the whole mod yourself, basically, with all the uh, with the checklist and all of the? Yeah, stuff? so so uh, going back to their bag draft, I think that was something they did in one of the Texas tournaments. Um, yes, but, that sounds familiar. But, but seven was the one that kind of made it popular on TTS. Um, and he was the one that was pushing it and that I pitched the joke idea to. And he was the one that kind of made us run with it. So um, as far as actually creating it, yeah, I, I kind of did that. Yeah, again, it's as, worth as noting, too. Joke. So this is for, for a while now has been uh, mostly just a, a tabletop simulator thing. I mean, it sounds like something that would be impossible outside of tabletop simulator. So, but we've heard of a couple people that have now turned it into an actual thing that they play with their home copy of TI. Oh, no. Yeah. Did, did somebody cut up their their game no i no. think they they made it note cards right or something like uh, that yeah so i so I, there was actually a stream last week uh swifty he's a member that's of the right yeah. community he uh he printed out cards essentially um and drafted it yeah that wow. someone was trying to make it happen at gen con and it didn't get to happen but i have a hunch that by next year's gen con someone is going to have a working physical copy that they will bring to gen con so i i can't wait to see that event pop up uh, and get people to go to it. Uh, if if ever there was going to be a second game that we decided to start filming at Gen Con, it would be if the Franken game starts to get some traction. I I would absolutely cast a live Franken game at Gen Con and make time right. for that. Right. If if we're gonna do that, then I actually am gonna cut up a, a set. I think. Right. Yeah. yeah. Buy buy it's like your own new copy and chop it up. I, that's yeah. A terrifying or chop but amazing mine. proposition. I, I, I don't know. My my real life group. There's like four or five of us with a copy of the game. So if I right. cut up mine. We yeah, can find a way to manage. So, so to talk a little bit more about just like how it how it all works. So, so break down all of the components that are actually used in Franken because we talk about like faction abilities, but it's it's a little bit more involved than just like we took all this. Like, what are all the things that are then included in the draft? Right. So, I think the there's a total of twenty four or twenty five components in your bag. So, you've got your three blue tiles, your two red tiles. And then after that, um, you've got two home systems. Uh, you've got two promissory notes. You've got uh, two flagships you can pick from. You've got two quantities of commodities for your sheet. You've got uh, three faction technologies. Um, you've got four faction abilities. Uh, so those are individual abilities, not like right. a collection of a faction's abilities. So right. you it's have, liter- like, it'll literally be just like guild ships from the hakan and guild ships if i'm remembering i don't even you got you 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 guys actually know the names of abilities now where i think most people don't ever pay attention to what the names of abilities are but like one person might just have the ability to trade action cards and someone else will just have the ability to trade with anyone regardless of being neighbor right yeah exactly and some of them like you know like they work perfectly fine on their own and some of them are just like well this is really weird without the corresponding ability that I should right. also have. Right. Right. Necro's a very strange beast when you get it into Franken because all of the things kind of have a thematic uh you know similarity but when you split them up it becomes this very very I think if anything feels like Frankenstein it's when you have one necro ability and nothing else from necro. Oh right? yeah. Yeah, there's certainly factions that like 
you, you can tell that like they have an ability that kind of weakens them because their other abilities are strong. And when right. you pull them apart, you don't have that anymore. So a good example is Arboric as well, like the Latani without Oh right. Without like the restriction just... <laughs> on building them, right. Yeah, like <laughs> Yeah. It's not a great ability to not be able to produce ground forces out of space stocks. That's not necessarily uh preferable. Uh, same yeah. with like Jolnar's minus one. It's not like anybody's ever going to draft minus one. So then the end result is people are only drafting like really great abilities. Uh, what are I guess some of the crazier combos you've ever seen in in games? As far as like super strong, the the one that kind of people latch onto a lot is the spec ops with the Alistair, which is the Necro flagship where they can participate, or even better, Latani with the Alistair. Oh, um, oh my god. <laughs> exactly right so like if, if you can just move around a, a giant ball of infantry that you know can rebuild themselves after every fight you're just unstoppable and i think yeah. we had one game where somebody had latani the alistair and advanced carriers so essentially yeah. once you have gravity drive and upgraded advanced carriers too you've got two movement an entire fleet that can go around and yeah. rebuild itself every yeah, fight. yeah th throw in sars nomadic where they don't need their home system anymore and i feel like that's like the greatest like snowball that has ever existed is is that combination of abilities although exactly it's, it's nice that like you can't have like the most ridiculously powerful combinations generally speaking because again it is a draft you start with stuff in your hand so the best abilities mm -hmm. typically do get grabbed like kind of right away yeah um, exactly we had somebody but, who had Latani and a few other, like, our wise in our game had some pretty crazy uh, combos, and I felt like I had some good combos, but I don't know that anybody else in our game felt, like, totally overpowered in what they had access to. Now, no. my faction was dumb. I, <laughs> I, I built a dumb faction on accident, because I, I wasn't thinking about how bag drafts just work in general. Like, yeah. It took me, like, a couple, sure. a couple turns to actually realize, like, what it was I was doing. Yeah. And yeah, I picked some pretty dumb stuff. I yeah. essentially was like, um, I had, for some reason, my first pick was Jolnar's starting tech. Cause I yeah. was like, Oh, that's cool. Sure. I'll get to start with one in each color. Yeah, That's great. But it, there were other things in my bag that were so much better than that. I just like right. picked the first thing that I liked. <laughs> so, I mean, that's one of the top abilities. That one's really hard to pass up. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think it was a horrible pick. I think though that there was also, so I'm pretty sure I also had the Jolnar like brilliance, like the, just the tech one. Yeah, which Probably. is kind of silly that I didn't just take that and then I could have built my tech however want. I wanted it to yeah. be. Um, but yeah, I was essentially like L one ish with the skip ability yeah. from Isarl, and also I could go through wormholes. <laughs> you were like, the weirdest no. hodgepodge. <laughs> it and didn't we'll, really make we'll, any sense. We'll break down more of like specifically what happened in our game uh, a little bit later, just so you can get a real taste of like what some games end up like. But I think I want to uh, cover a few a few more things. Uh, the last real question is. Uh, in terms of just, like, breaking down Frank and Draft and how weird of a game it is, but also, like, I don't know, it still feels like Twilight Imperium. Like, there are there are crazy homebrews out there, and even though Frank and Draft feels like the extent of what homebrew could possibly be, at the end of the day, it still ends up feeling like Twilight Imperium. And so, in that way, it feels like actually not as homebrew as I thought it would be. Um so I wonder, Mantis, since you've played it quite a bit, do, do you think Frank and Draft, like, makes you better at vanilla ti uh certainly in some aspects and then in other aspects you kind of just forget some things um yeah. like i had a recent vanilla game where i totally forgot that yin has devotion and i oh. sent a carrier to attack a destroyer and <laughs> i tried to bluff my way out of it it didn't work very well right it's hard to keep track of the abilities in franken to the extent where yes yeah, at a certain point you almost because it's such a dumb game, like just a crazy game, you stop like really having your your computer brain on, or at least you know you should. I I probably didn't even do that enough, but Hunter, you definitely did. You just leaned into the like it's all madness, whatever, man. Um, yeah. But I did yeah. I did uh, attack uh, our pseudo. I attacked our wise who had Latani two or Latani one on uh, Mechatol Rex, and I completely forgot he had like Latani super infantry. Uh, so there's there's a certain aspect of like you just totally forget that people have certain things uh, wh when you're you know you, you just you're trying to pay attention to even your own abilities and see what you can do more than you have time to pay attention to what other people have and can do. Yeah, but but on your other question, you do learn the abilities better. Like maybe it's just as simple as knowing the names, but like you know before this, you wouldn't know what ability. You brought up kill chips earlier, right? Like. 
Like you know, Hakan has the ability to do that, but you might not know it's named guild ships, mm-hmm. and and this certainly helps you piece together those types of things. Yeah, I I think there's also a potential for it to like kind of scramble your knowledge. So I I I feel like if somebody hasn't played a lot of Twilight Imperium, jumping into Franken Draft is probably gonna confuse you. Yeah, but I feel like if you've played a lot, it's just gonna deepen your memory right. of what these factions are made of, essentially, because you're seeing them in a fresh context for the most part. Um, I will say one of the things I thought was interesting about it was, I think somebody had two of Jolnar's. There was somebody that essentially was, I think it was Snorcerer. Yeah, I think it he had Brilliant like and Analytical. Just, yeah, so like sometimes you're playing Frankendraft and somebody just builds Jolnar. Yeah, I basically, basically. <laughs> just had Sar. Like I was basically Sar with like a couple added elements. But yeah, there's. Mm-hmm. it's funny how there are certain factions where it's like, oh, this faction is just still very good. Are there any, um, I guess, Mantis, are, are, are there any top, I don't want to just say top abilities, but like what are the top factions that you basically see some iteration of in more or less every Franken game? Well, I mean, Jolnar is a good one, right? Their ability to skip uh, text when they research non-unit upgrades is strong. Their ability to do the secondary attack is also very strong. Their starting tech situation when they have four different uh, right, technologies. Right. Uh, all three of those are definitely you know, top-tier techs. Or, yeah. or research agreement techs. is like a, yeah, like research be- agreement by well. far the best promissory note in the game, especially in this mode, it, fe- it seems like. Yeah, so I... So, Latani one is probably the strongest ability in Franken, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. And it goes, it, it's never going to not be picked out of its first bag. After that, right. it's probably the Jolnar starting tech. Um, yeah. After that, you kind of get into people's preferences. Uh, lately, I've been trying to prioritize economy or trade good generating things yeah. like e-res or production biomes or mirror computing. I know that doesn't generate trade yeah. goods, but it doubles yours. And then uh, Pillage is just... There's so many games where you just need those extra trade right, games. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I found myself really wanting something that would allow me to do good deal making. It, it feels like a lot. I mean, nobody ends up with two commodities in this mode, basically. Like, there's no way that that's going to happen. I've uh, seen that happen once, I think. Yeah. So most people are going to have four. A few people are going to block it so that, uh, you know, maybe two people at the table or whatever have three. But generally, I feel like it's going to be the there's going to be room for lots of trade uh because yeah. people are getting the best of everything everybody's going to have the best promissory note they can possibly get everybody's going to have the best commodities um so that was something i definitely took away was i was planning to go into the game really aggressive because i was just thinking everybody's going to have crazy abilities i'm going to have to fight tooth and nail and then in that like first round and a half i was like oh wait we all have so much stuff we could all just make absolute bank maybe it makes more sense to not just like Go, go I, like I basically had the option to absolutely trash TG Welch's game and like take out everything in his slice, or make lots and lots and lots of money off of him, and decided to go with the the latter. Uh, and and I feel like there is definitely a huge uh, increase in the economic potential in Frankendraft. Yeah, I mean you still have to play to the objectives, right? So if you get planet control objectives, then right, right, eating a neighbor is a good idea. But if you're getting all spend objectives then, yeah, you can sit back and just make tons of money while everyone else fights. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, I want to talk more about how it felt to play the draft. So so me and me and Matt and uh, Mantis and TG Welch and Rwise and Snorcerer played a game that should be available on YouTube now. Um, what I really liked in the draft was uh, how much it felt like it was like a creativity thing. It was like, I, I liked looking at all of the elements and being like, how do I want to piece this together? Yeah. Um, and in a way that is interesting, I would say that the draft kind of made me feel the same way that I felt when I first played Twilight Imperium in general, in that I was distracted by all the shiny things I could do and (laughs) ended up making some pretty, I would say some pretty hardcore mistakes. Um, I was I had uh, Sardak Nors plus one, and then so I plus one to all my combat rolls, and then I had the ability to discard action. I had stall actions from Isarl. I could discard action cards um, to skip, and then for some reason also had Quantum Entanglement, <laughs> which didn't really make sense altogether. Yeah. And I would say if I had had more of a plan as I was looking at the bags, I feel like. 
I had this like I'm overwhelmed by this, so I'm just gonna roll with the punches. Yeah. But I rolled into such an awkward, strange uh, faction. So I would say that it might be a good idea if you're coming into Frankendraft uh, as a new person to kind of have a plan of like what abilities you'd really like to get. They won't necessarily be in the draft. Um, how many how many faction abilities get left out each time? You, something like uh, 10? there's like uh, th- um, thirty five or I think thirty five total, and we deal out uh, four times six or twenty four, so eleven of them get left out. So two thirds of them, of, yeah. Yeah. roughly. That's a lot. Play. I mean, that's that's, yeah. that's quite a yeah, bit. Which which is fun because it, this this variant could very easily turn into like absolutely the exact same abilities every single time. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty mm-hmm. important that like there's a lot of chance thrown into what you may even end up seeing. Right. And yeah, if there's something specific you're looking for, uh, you're really just going to have to roll with it because it might not be in anybody's right. bag. Basically. I think the dirtiest thing about this whole thing is that you've thrown in the the blue and red planet tiles. like mm-hmm. and, and okay, also, I got a bone to pick, Mantis. <laughs> Let's talk about Mantis's style of building maps that makes everything completely arbitrary like if you want to start a franken draft game once you learn how the map is built you have to immediately give up any hope of like going into this with a plan you can't really plan and and like for me i was trying to find things with lots of synergy and you don't have that you you just got to go with what is good and and hope you come out on the other end with something that works uh because describe how the map is built because it's just the most (laughs) disastrous (laughs) irritating thing i've ever done (laughs) so this was also just me being well actually this wasn't me being more ridiculous this was actually me trying to find a compromise so as part of the (laughs) As part of the back drafts, uh, I think it was, actually was Seven that came up with the uh, the totally random way to build the galaxy, which is you get your five tiles, and rather than pick where they go, uh, you're essentially assigning your drafted tiles to your slice plus uh, one of the equidistant spots, the one to your left, essentially. And so with a totally random way, you just start pulling them out and putting them in order in each of the spots. What's, what's that, nice it, about it, yeah, it reinforces the idea of something that I didn't, I did not uh, take to heart, which is like, hey, this is stupid and you should just like have some fun with it and quit. Think, you know, don't don't take this. Yeah, exactly. Because you have no control. You just have no control. Uh, And (laughs) yeah, so like the fully random was because if if you play at least on TTS a lot, you run into the same maps every time you do a, a normal build where you've got your planet to your left or right planet in front of you and then another one in front of that yeah um and, and that can get you know that's the optimal way to play in, in our terms at least um but sometimes you want to play maps that aren't like that so the totally random was a way to kind of break that habit um but it was very unforgiving you would end up with just awful awful slices so they started adding like mulligans to the totally random but once you start adding mulligans in it, it kind of took away a lot of what the randomness added so I kind of came up with a, I, I called it pseudo-random, which was the first tile still goes uh, you know, next to Mechatol. I didn't change that. But rather than doing a mulligan or forcing you to put in front of your home for the second one, we, we kind of set it up where you could pick. You look at the second tile. If it's an anomaly, you stick it in your equidistance. If it's a planet, you get to decide, obviously, equidistant or in front of your home. Or if you're cruel and you want to you know, handicap yourself, you can put that <laughs> anomaly in front of your home for fun. I don't know. Right. But it, I, I found that that was a good way to kind of balance the two approaches of totally unforgiving, random, and the kind of too similar to the normal build of the, right, the mulligan right, method. Right, right, I, I, What I liked about our game is that the method made it where there were um, all empty space next to Mechatol except for one... There was only one system that was yeah. uh, planets. And that, yeah, that's pretty rare to see something like that. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, we had yeah. an absolutely glad- crazy map. I, I had just like, I wouldn't say a bad slice, but the way all of my time... Basically, someone pointed it out towards the end of the draft, but I actually didn't get to choose any of my tiles that I put into my slice because you're still relegated to the if there's an anomaly there you can't place an anomaly adjacent and if there's a wormhole you can't place a wormhole adjacent and every single one of my selections the tile that came up had a thing that it couldn't be placed adjacent to so I didn't get I did not build my slice it just happened to me yeah and you yeah yeah, you ended up with probably the second worst outcome I, I think the worst outcome is to have your blue tiles be next to Mechatol uh 
in front of your home and then in the equidistant or next to Mechatol, equidistant right. and to the left of or right of your home, oh, vice God. versa. You you didn't have quite that bad, but you had probably no. the next worst. Right, right. Yeah, I, I didn't hate it, um, and I should have because of me having like the the abilities that I had, which again we'll get into more. But I basically had a pie slice that screamed, "Go kill a neighbor as fast as you possibly can," and I didn't lean into that hard enough, and I I absolutely should have because everything in my game was saying, "Oh, just go eliminate someone." Come on, it's Frankenstein. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. also you had like several SAR abilities. Exactly. So, I mean, that yeah. Was, yeah. I should, I, yeah. I I should have leaned into just the absolute ridiculousness of it and and gone for gone for the kill, but I I went for seeing if I could make a lot of money instead. Um. So let's. <laughs> Do we want to start getting into like our specific game and what what really um, happened? I mean, I feel I feel like we have cov- we have kind of covered a little bit of it, but yeah, let's 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 get into it. Okay, because um, I also uh, but I do want to say that I I also want people to check out the video um, yes. that should be on YouTube very soon. Right, right. If it's not um, up already, it's getting uploaded to YouTube. It's already on our Twitch. You can go watch the VOD on Twitch, but that only stays up for so long. So check the YouTube. We're making sure that that game gets put on YouTube. I will say this podcast is PG related, uh, PG rated, but the uh, the video is not. <laughs> there is there is an excessive <laughs> amount of cursing from uh, myself uh, mostly. So I'm I already I apologize in advance for that. But yeah, please be aware that if you want to go watch the game, it's it's a little bit more adult themed than uh, than the show. Uh, right, and there there if you haven't figured it out yet, there is a head desk. So if sort you're of. looking I for mean, some y- Matt there's... head desk content, uh, that is that yeah. is. It's classic I, Matt I had, head desk. I had to type head desk instead of actually head desking. My my right. wife uh, wants us to remember our eventual children, so I I was I've been informed that I'm no longer allowed to head desk on yep. on camera or otherwise. Uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a quick breakdown of every of just what the draft ended up with for everybody, and then we can kind of talk about like the implications of all of that. Um, so this is gonna be a lot of like things thrown at you really fast. So I'm sorry. I hope you can kind of keep up. Uh, we had Snorcerer with. Are you ready? Okay. Snorcerer had the Jolnar ability to skip tech. They also had the Jolnar ability to do the secondary of tech whenever they wanted, and they had the ability to do Hakan's global transactions. So tradey tech guy. Uh, he also mm-hmm. had the Jolnar flagship to to uh, basically to score multiple hits when they hit a 9 or a 10. Uh, they had the Lizix uh, faction promissory note, which is to gain a uh, command counter. And then their faction tech that was available to them was Exotrireme 2 and Quantum Data Hub Node. We did not see Quantum Data Hub Node come, in, come into play, but Exotrireme 2 made a very early appearance. And then they started with the Winu home system, which is a really interesting um, start. So let's, let's just segment that let's talk about snorcerer's build what 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 are your thoughts mantis in terms of seeing lots of games how do you think snorcerer did on his build so the winu home is generally viewed as bad because it's tied to the winu and for the most part i'd agree but there's one exception and snorcerer nailed it right here and that's the the jolnar being able to use the tech primary when they use secondary the main reason you don't like the winu home is because it's only got three resources right if you can do tech for free then you don't need that four resources and the Winnie Home comes with four influence. So when you pair it with that, it's actually pretty decent. Um, and, and I think he probably didn't pick it until after he picked the uh, the Jolnar right. ability. Um, and, and at that point, it's a pretty good call. That's a crazy awesome like idea that can get like inserted into this game is that like things that are typically bad, when you pull them out of the context of like maybe what makes them bad, they become way, way better. Something similar to that is like Jolnar's flagship is not regarded as especially like great necessarily because there's just so many other things that Jolnar has to invest in that are good. But the Jolnar flagship by itself is pretty crazy uh, when you don't have that minus one hurting you, you know, if it can just kind of still normally hit, but then also a nine or a 10 is a crit. That is a way better flagship all of a sudden. It, so, I mean, you say that, but it, it is one of the better flagships, even with the minus one applied to right. it. So when you take that minus one off, it's even better. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, let's break down Hunter. Let's talk about let's talk about your weird build <laughs> because, as you um, said, you kind of just went you just went for it, right? Yeah. Well, I'll I'll start with the good stuff. Like I said before, I had the Jolnar starting tech situation that was pretty nice. I had I don't know why I remember this so well, but I had the L one starting units. Uh, I had the L one home system. I had the Extra flagship, um, and then I had 
Unrelenting, which is the Sardak Nor ability to get a plus one on all your combat rolls. I had Stall Tactics, so I could discard my action cards to skip. And then I had Quantum Entanglement, which would let me use the Alpha and Beta Wormholes together right away. Quantum Entanglement, and I think in general this would probably be the issue with Quantum Entanglement, is that when you're picking it, you there's no way to, unless you have the, unless you've already picked the wormholes, which feels like kind of a weird thing to do. Yeah. Um, it You just have no idea where those wormholes are going to end up. So I literally picked it just because I forgot to pick more abilities. faction abilities. <laughs> like yeah. I realized like, oh, I have to pick four and then discard one. And, and you ended up with like bad. You ended up with like no wormholes near you. So it, it never came into play that you had that yeah. ability. I it, wasn't it, even seeing the I didn't I wasn't keeping track of the wormholes in the bags, which would have been helpful. It would yeah. have been like if I had just been at least seeing like, oh, they're gonna be somewhere. You know, yeah. who knows where they're gonna be. Um But yeah, so what ended up being feeling weird was oh, and I also had um what I did do right was I had Spec Ops two. Right. So Spec Ops two plus Sardak unrelenting meant those guys were going to hit like trucks, right? Basically, <laughs> uh, which was cool. And I was like, I'm going to be the freaking beefy boys. Yeah. Uh, but well, then our wise kind of beat me to the punch there. Right. And then so I ended up for my game actually playing more just like extra. Like yeah. I ended up just playing a PDS heavy game uh, where I focus on getting the flagship near Mechatol because I was also the only faction that ended the only slice that ended up with a planet next to Mechatol. So I tried to make, right. like, turn that towards my advantage, but I was just too slow. Everybody else was just blasting off into space so quickly. <laughs> like, on round two, I was like, all right, I'm going to get the flagship out already, and I was like, that feels really fast. And in a normal game, that would feel pretty fast. Yeah. But in this game, it was not fast enough. People were already taking right. Mechatol and, like, setting up a ridiculous number of, uh, you know, infantry there. And I feel like part of the extra flagship is... If you pull it out to kind of block Mechatol and people have already gotten there, there's really, it's like, man, why did you waste all that money? And that's kind of how I felt. And I did. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. that's kind of how my game played out. So I would say if you watch the video, I, I am, uh, I am not super impressive, but I am very, the whole time I'm just kind of in awe of this variant. Right. Uh, and that's kind of how I feel about it in general. Yeah. And you mentioned something that we forgot to uh, cover earlier. So we're, we each have three of these faction abilities, but we drafted four. And that's the same for all the different faction components. You draft one more than you end up with, and then at the end you decide which one to, to get rid of. So right. you, you may have a – you can't really plan what you want to do because you have no idea what you're going to get. But after you see your first couple of bags, then you start forming a plan, and right. you know you start looking for certain things, and then it all falls apart because obviously you don't get what you want. And yeah. then you have to we, rearrange we kinda, and discard we, something. We kind of made a joke out of it in the beginning, but it really is like – most of the game is in that first like 40 minutes of just the draft. The draft takes some time, um, especially when I'm in the game and I'm the slowest human being on the planet when it comes to yeah, like making so decisions. <laughs> I would so slow. people people just pass bags when they're done with them, and I kept having a line of like three or four bags. Like TG Welch was to my right, and he just had to sit there and wait for me for for inordinate amount of times. And I I I hate that anyone ever has to play games with me because of how slow I am. But whatever, <laughs> you you signed up for this. I, our first game, the draft was like basically an hour, so yeah. you were fine. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's talk about R Wise. Uh, R Wise had Scavenge, which is SAR's ability to uh, take trade goods every time they take a planet. They had Indoctrination, uh, the Yin infantry conversion, and they had Orbital Drop, the sole infantry spam. So there's already two very good infantry abilities. Then they had the Necro flagship, flagship where they can use infantry as ships in space combat. They also had... Uh, Hakan's promissory note, which is a weird... We'll talk about this in a minute, but Hakan's promissory note is a very weird one to draft for yourself. Anyways, he also had Latani 2, which meant... The way Frankendraft works is if you want to get the base uh, faction ability unit, you have to get the upgrade. So he got Latani 2. He never researched Latani 2, but by drafting Latani 2, it gave him access to Latani 1, which is how he was able to build on the move. So not only is he orbital dropping infantry, he's building on the move, then when he's attacking or defending, he's converting additional infantry using the Yin ability. Uh, he also he also lucked out with production biomes, which helped, helped him just gain some money and afford extra stuff, and he had the soul home system, which is good enough, I think. Um... So 
Mantis, do you, what's what's your takes on uh, on this this uh, faction? So that's a, I mean, that's a pretty solid build. Like you said, a lot of those things work together. Um, you can tell he was focusing on ground combat, um, and ground combat wins plenty of games. Um, it didn't work out in his favor this time, but Just I would barely, definitely though. put I would definitely put money on on his type of builds in, in yeah. any given game. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, talk, so let's talk about why Hakan's promissory note is kind of a weird one. I think promissory notes in general, I found it very difficult to decide on a on a promissory note. Things like research agreement are really obvious. Things like I ended up with Sardak Nor's promissory note. Things that mm-hmm. are just obviously tradable. That one's so good. Makes though, right? sense. Love that. Well, one. it's yeah, it's just like something you can actually get out there, but. I think at one point I saw the Hakan promissory note and I was like, I don't know why I would want to do that. If I don't have the ability to trade with anybody myself, why would I want to grant that to somebody else? So I don't know. Mantis, what's your take on like, what do you look for in a promissory note? And is there is there much strategy there or do you kind of just usually end up with what you end up with? Um, so I, I don't I don't value them super high in the draft, but uh, buy like bag three or four if if research agreement the jolnar one comes by i'll definitely take it right the other good one is the soul one and that's the one i end up with this game and that's the one that lets you sell infantry yeah, um, right th- those two you, you can always find a buyer for um the similar to the hakan one the the Mulat one which lets you research war sons um you can give that away but yeah. you can't build war sons yourself so you've got these weird strange alien plans that say how to build a war sun but you can't yeah. read them <laughs> But you sell them to someone else and they figure it out. So good for them. Yeah, I, I felt weird trying to draft something like that where it's like, I'm just going to give somebody more power than I have myself. I don't know that I'm interested in that. And I don't, I maybe because Frank, like we talked about earlier, maybe because Frank and Draft has kind of more money technically available than like a standard game, more people would be willing to pay for those types of things. But I don't know that he ever ended up selling uh, that Hakan promissory note. So I, I think. That's one of the things that sort of falls by the wayside. If you don't want to get, if you don't get one of the obvious promissory notes, I don't think you really mess with your promissory note. No, you you just don't care about it at that point. Like the other ones, they were they were all sellable ones, but they were like super situational sellable ones. Like yep. like you can certainly sell the Sardak plus one combat, um, uh, the Barony reroll. You can sell that one right, as well. But there's, right. you, you, I had that. You, one. you have a lot fewer I, opportunities I for people to buy those. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I had the Barony promissory note, and I. Uh, Honestly, just kind of forgot yeah, immediately exactly. that I had it, actually. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, I I should have been able to make use of it, and if I had been if I had been pushing it, it would it could have actually gotten out there a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, with that is I I always forget how that one works. Do, do you have to have the trade goods in order to use it? You don't. No, no, you no. Don't. Okay, so yeah, that's that's the thing that always messes me up with it though is that I won't plan correctly, and I'll be like, oh, I can't give up these two trade goods, so right. I'm not gonna give it right. out there. That's always what happens. Yeah, to me yeah, with it. but. Uh, let's talk about T.G. Welch. Uh, so T.G. Welch had what seemed like the most likely to win uh, abilities. And I, I don't know. We'll get into that. Uh, so they started with Nalu's Zero Initiative, which just by itself, that you know, that's what wins Nalu games. So that seems like something that can win uh, you know, this new homebrew faction some games. Uh, he also had Masters of Trade, which is the ability for Hakan to replenish their commodities no matter what. That seems like a very good economic get. Uh, he also he took Galactic Threat, which is the Necro ability to predict agendas and but not be allowed to vote on them. So that's a very strange get. But based on the way that Franken Draft works, if you draft specific Necro abilities, that's what suddenly grants you access to Valifar Assimilator, the Necro uh, tech copier. Um, we'll have to explain that more. But basically, Necro's ability to copy tech, uh, copy faction tech is not a thing that you can draft. You only get it if you draft other Necro abilities. So Galactic Threat is like the lesser of the two abilities that would give you access to those two tech. So in my mind, T.G. Welch probably drafted this ability just purely so he could get that ability to copy faction tech. Um, I don't know that he ever used it to to a huge effect but it that's one of the things in this mode that works very very strangely um he also had the sar flagship which is a bunch of anti-fighter barrage he got a research agreement which is joel nars very very good promissory note definitely the best promissory note in the game and he ended up with impulse core which is a weird choice which is yin's ability to kill a destroyer before combat to score a hit 
and then he got Erez Siphons, another Jolnar ability, the one where you, if you get attacked, you get four trade goods. And he had the Yin Homeworld, which is a 4-4. I had that in my starting hand, and I thought it would be a pain to have a 4-4. But then other people later said that Yin's 4-4 is kind of a solid, um, enticing get. Can you break that down, Mantis? What what, what makes Yin's 4-4 like, kind of ideal? So... Um... Having a one planet home is a lot easier to defend than having two planets in your home. Right, um, right. And and in a game where everyone's got kind of a lot of superpowers, it's you, you want that extra security knowing that you only have to defend one home. Mm-hmm. And the Yin is the only one that comes with high resources and high uh, voting power. Right. Which is weird because he also drafted the necro ability voting. Vote, so right? <laughs> so I, I generally value the Yin home system, but I probably wouldn't have touched it if I knew I was going to keep Galactic Threat. Yeah. Because why not just get another four zero home system at that point? I mean there are occasions where you can use it to buy tokens, but you're probably using it for the resources. Right. More often for than not. Sure, for sure. Um so what what else? So uh, the bigger thing is is there a like specific reason the way Necro's uh faction tech decided to get included into this variant or is it just like by virtue of it not working any other way like what happened with necro i guess is the question yeah so there's, there's a couple things that um not all of the components are in the draft when i say that i mean they're not all draftable they're, they're all in the game in some form so for example uh tg also had telepathic which is the ability to use the zero token um the promissory note that Nalu has is the ability to sell that zero token. It doesn't right. make sense for somebody else to have that. Yeah. So that promissory note is not draftable, but if you choose to keep telepathic, um, you can trade in your drafted promissory note for the, the one that gives the zero token. No one's going to do that yeah. unless they get an absolutely garbage note. But even right. at that point, you would just keep it. But So those types of things are kept out. And one of the other things is the Velifar simulators. They're worthless on their own. That you can't use them without the necro abilities. Right. So what we decided is, um, you know, we're monsters here, but you know, there's still laws we got to follow. So everyone's <laughs> got everyone's got two faction techs, right? So if you want to use one of these assimilators, you got to give up one of your faction techs, and that's what TG did. He, like you said, he drafted impulse ugh, impulse core and Erez siphons, and he decided that he would rather uh, get an, a Velifar assimilator and discard impulse core. Right. So he played the game with Erez and uh, Velifar X. Right. Um, and, and the the Valfars with the, this necro ability, it's like you said, it's it's really tough to get those faction uh, text during the agenda phase. Um, it's certainly better than impulse core in my mind, so I think it was a no brainer for him. Sure. But yeah, you're not you're not always going to trade that in with this particular necro. One. With the other one, you probably almost always trade it in because getting a via combat is so much easier. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. It's my turn, and I'm probably gonna have more to say about my own. Uh, but this this was a weird draft. The first thing to note with what I ended up drafting is I had a very very noteworthy starting hand. And even when I passed the bag to TG Welch, who was to my right, he went, "Whoa, wait, yeah, you do have a ridiculous starting bag." And it like carried on for like two more people, like all of the insanely overpowered stuff I had in my starting bag, uh, which is not necessarily a benefit for me, which means because I have to give up lots of very powerful things. Um, but I ended up with nomadic, uh, the clan of stars ability to score without their home system. That was like my number one. I would really love to get that before we even started the game. That's like the number one thing that I wanted. It's just like, I don't have to worry about my home system in this crazy game. Um, I also ended up with Necro's technology, uh, technology Singularity, which is the ability to, when you destroy a unit in combat, you get a tech. So the better Necro ability in this mode. And then I also ended up with Arbiters, which is Khan's ability to trade action cards. I'm sure that is much to the demise of everybody else at the table because it meant that I was constantly trying to get in on other people's actions and make deals and stuff. But it's very much something I wanted uh, for, for the style of play that I tend to, to go for. Uh, I got Sardax Flagship, so uh, the ability to do a plus one in combat for all my other ships. I never ended up getting it, so it didn't come into play. Sardax plus one to combat uh, Promissory Note I also got, which is something I did try to sell a number of times. Uh, then I researched Floating Factory 2, or I didn't research it, but I, I drafted it, and again, like we said before, with uh, Latani 2, I mostly got Floating Factory 2 so that I would have access to Floating Factory one i never researched floating factory two because tg welch had valifar assimilators adjacent to me and i was not interested in him being able to research that but just having access to the base unit was very important uh, i drafted transparent steel plating which is is Sarl's, um tech that lets them not 
be targeted with action cards after players have passed. And I actually really wanted to hold on to it, but when the technological singularity necro thing was explained to me and and that was like the only way i could get valifar i did end up giving it up and it was useful but there's still a part of me that wishes i had kept transparasteel because the ability to avoid people playing action cards is incredibly powerful and i felt like it was a lucky get to have uh, gotten it but i i i ended up giving it up then i also got sardak Nor's home system and i think my my luckiest get on top of sars uh, nomadic was that I had Yin's starting fleet, which is a solid two C4I plus a destroyer. Like it's just, it's just a, a, like one of the best starts in the game. So I felt really confident with having the ability to not only build on the move, but start with a solid fleet and be able to abandon my home system completely. All of those things played into a very, very Matt style faction. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was the draft in general. When you told me what you had, I was like, "This is going to be uh, this is going to be a weird time." Basically, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I Mantis. think it's funny though that you oh. didn't. I forgot that you had uh, drawn transparent steel plating, yeah. and got rid of it because this was the game where every time you took a big risk, which you always do, right? Um, people had the the right action cards yeah, to stop you. Was the nightmare? <laughs> not that trans, not, transparent steel wouldn't have necessarily helped you in no. all of those uh, instances, but it I could have leaned into that. Yeah, I could have mm-hmm. waited out things and and relied on that more in this game, and it probably would have done me a lot. Um, I don't know, Mantis. Judging based on other uh, Franken games, how do you think I ended up with what, with with my faction? What, you know, what's your what's your rating for the faction I ended up with? So, like one of the things we just mentioned, the, the single home planet system is is easier to defend, so that's usually yeah. picked first. But you have nomadic, so you don't even care about that. So, right. you got uh, a home system that has a combined four resources, and that's good enough for you. You don't care if it's one or two planets. So, um, I think that works pretty well. The transparent steel, and it, it's something uh, that uh, also applied to um, Hunter's build as well, was with stall mm-hmm. tactics. Is those are two Yasaro abilities that I honestly don't think are very good on their own. They're, yeah. they're part of what makes Yasaro great, but I think it's it's a combination of several things to make that right. like if you right. have if you have the ability to discard action cards to stall if you're still stuck with a seven action card hand limit like that's kind of you're not yeah. going to get as, as much use of that as, as possible and totally. similarly if you have transparent steel but you don't have the ability to stall people out right then you're not going to use it as much so you dropping that for the veil for why was definitely a good call yeah the thing I know I felt um, kind of weird about was I had this home system that was like, okay, I need, I want to make sure I have four resources. I want to be able to get tech. But then as soon as I had Necro's ability to copy tech, I kind of made a decision early of like, you know what? If I can get tech for free, maybe I should make a point to never buy tech and only get it through copying it so that I could save that money for more units. Since I'm building them on the go anyways, I kind of made a rule for myself early on. There were like, I think there was one round where I decided to buy tech, but beyond that, I tried to almost strictly follow the idea that I should just not buy tech and see how it goes, since I could then just use that money for more units to move around the board with my floating factories and my nomadic ability. Yeah, and you, you definitely had a scary, scary combination of abilities there for your neighbors, right? You, you don't care about yeah. your home. You can put all your resources into ships, and you can build ships as you go. Like, that's... Right. Paying you to go away is definitely your neighbor's top yeah, priority at that yeah. point. I think. And, and TG paid me quite a lot <laughs> to try to go away. And it ended up kind of, I, I would say it was a bad decision for me to turn away from TG because then I was too slow to go take over anybody else by that point. And uh, yeah, it, it cost me a lot. But let's, before we get into anything else about the game, we got to now cover Mantis, your build. Uh, so I'll go over it real quick, but then I want you to definitely break it down for me. Uh, you had Pillage, Mentech's ability to steal trade goods. You had Reclamation, which is a weird get. Winu, if you take uh, Mechatol, you get a PDS and a Space Dock there. You also had Scheming, which is probably the best Asaro ability, the ability to uh, draw an extra action card and then discard one. So just like a more selective action card hand. You also had the Jolnar, or the, the Hakan flagship, which is, you know, generally regarded as bad. Uh, the Soul Promissory Note, very, very good. Uh, you mentioned it earlier, but yeah, the ability to basically sell two infantry to anybody. Uh, and then your your faction tech was Chaos Mapping and Super Dreadnoughts 2. Chaos Mapping is the SAR ability that lets you build one unit at the start of your turn, and Super Dreads are the Lizix Dreadnoughts, which are very good. You researched both of them very quickly. Uh, I would say you had the most uh, synergistic 
tech path, right? You had a blue tech that fed into the next upgrade that you wanted to get. And then you also ended up with Mentax home system, which is a four one. So, uh, yeah, break all that down for me. Yeah. So, um, like I said earlier, you can't really have a plan without seeing your first bag, right? You're never going to say, I want X, Y, and Z. It's just not happening. Mm -hmm. So what I try to do in these is I see what I start with and I try to find things that work together. Um, especially for the, the two techs. I had a game where I, I think I, uh, one of the earlier games where I think I got some, maybe, I don't remember, remember the exact uh, text involved here, but let's just say something like Neuroglave and Quantum Data Hub Notes. Right. One, a three green prerequisite, one to three yellow. And I was like, well, that was stupid. I'm only ever going to use one of these. Yeah. So ever since then, I've been trying to find ones that work together. And um, Chaos Mapping is a prerequisite for Super Dreads, right? It's a blue. You need two blue and a yellow for, for Super Dreads. So I, I, I try to find ones that work well together. And I think actually most people did this game, right? So Hunter, you had uh, Magion, which is three green, oh, right. and, then, and then Spec Ops, which is two green, right? So right. You, you get both of those on the same path. And and yeah. those types of things are, are things I look out for now. Um, as far as the home world, I, I didn't care. I, I kind of grabbed the first full resource home world that I saw by like bag five or six. Um, I, I didn't prioritize it, I don't think. If I saw the the let Nev one i might have prioritized it earlier but i don't think anyone i don't think that was in this one yeah um, it didn't seem someone surely would have ended up with it if it was in the yeah track, so it clearly it got there. left out yeah yeah and so the i didn't prioritize uh faction abilities very highly either um i think i got pillage early probably bag one and then scheming bag two or three reclamation i probably didn't get till like bag seven or eight honestly mm-hmm. um my other one was the 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 barony re-roll for oh, trade goods yeah and i didn't I was kind of torn between the two, and I thought, well, the free space dock and PDS, if I even take Mycotal, is probably the better choice out of the right. two. The Hakan flagship, again, I didn't. I just kind of ignored flagships. Um, and then I had Pillage, so I said, hey, I can use somebody else's trade goods to buff my own uh, dice. That, that'll be cool. But I never built it, so it didn't matter. But right. the, some of those, you know, they work well together, and sometimes they don't. Yeah. Um, but, the, but the sole note, I, I kind of picked that... Uh, after pillage as well, just so I could give it away for free and, and pillage as I gave it away as a joke. I mean, no one's going to be surprised by that, but it's right. the same outcome. It's, it's the same outcome as spending it by one, but it's cooler, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so- you, you you did a really good job of working pillage in general in that game, like just relentlessly. You all, you're 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 very like you can't really get anything past you. So like, yeah, you are always recognizing whenever you had that opportunity to pillage. I- I don't know if I pillage Rwise enough, though. Um, yeah, or, Matt, yeah, you, you pillage like have. thirty trade goods off of Rwise. <laughs> so I, when I, whenever I take pillage, I, I try to go a little bit easy on my neighbors, especially early on before yeah. I have ships because I don't want them to attack me. Right. But and so the other thing you mentioned, uh, Hunter, you had the, the quantum entanglement which connects the wormholes, and you said, mm-hmm. "Well, that was kind of silly to take without the wormholes." If I take pillage, I look for those empty wormholes yeah, just like so yeah. be neighbors with people. And, oh, right, of course. And so I had the empty alpha and beta and. Rwise had one of the other ends, and so he was on the never-ending side of mm-hmm. every single pillage I could. And it was, <laughs> to my delight, he revealed that he had scavenged, so he couldn't really make very good use of that when he took planets right. as well. So right, it was such a it, the draft itself was like such a fun experience, and uh, I feel like everybody drafted, uh, ex- except for me. I feel like everybody <laughs> drafted really, really well. Um, I drafted like, uh, I might as well have just picked random things out of the first couple bags. Well, actually, you how... were doing that at first. Like, we fixed it, but your <laughs> yeah. first two bags, you just were grabbing, you were literally drawing something randomly, and then someone had I'd... to correct you and be like, no, 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 you get to pick. And you're like, oh, you guys are cowards then. I thought I thought this was a real man's game. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was literally, you know what it is? It's just that I didn't go through that phase where everybody was playing bag draft yeah so i wasn't even used to bag draft as a thing right so i was kind of learning that on top of the other thing but um but no it it like it all made for like a super uh super interesting really crazy game um lots of lots of just wild stuff that you wouldn't be able to see like any other way i mean it doesn't it's not like this drafting method makes it where the game is unrecognizable because it's just made of the game right yeah yeah. but it just allows for for like ways of thinking about it that wouldn't be possible any other way it's a contextual thing it just changes the context of everything in the game for sure Uh, and i i love it it is super fun it is i think 
the variant of this game that we uh, that we need right now at this like stage of the game's life cycle that we might as well be doing this you know what i mean like this that we're we're there it's like yep it's about time to start doing stuff like this. yeah i mean there's a few people so obviously the tts community is kind of crazy and a, a bunch of you have played like an unseemly amount of games but it's funny to see the players that now gravitate towards frankendraft purely because they've played too much ti4 we don't have any sort of expansion or anything yet so there's players that are kind of like yeah i've done every faction like many many times the only thing i care about anymore is frankendraft because it's the only way i have to completely shake up this game into something uh very new and dynamic so like people like there was a period there where uh, Unaligned Magi and Raptor and a few other people were like, no, it's Franken or it's nothing. Everything else is dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, we brought up Franken Friday earlier, and it, it, it kind of spawned out of the blue because, you know, one of the big Franken fans is uh, from the TTS Discord as well, Visionist. She uh, oh, yeah. she got mad at us because we, you know, we introduced her to this variant and, and she loved it. And she got <laughs> mad that we went, we wouldn't play it enough with her. So yeah. we decided, oh, we'll, we'll play it every week then. We'll, we'll do Franken Fridays. <laughs> And then you have people like Snorcerer, who's also a diehard Franken fan. He's like, what are you talking about making a thing? We've already been doing that. It's right. not official yet. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, th- so if if you want to see our game, we won't talk about all the, you know, we're not going to spoil it for you. Go watch it again. Uh, you know, parental warning, I guess. Uh, that at one point, I think I threatened to throw somebody out a window. Uh, it's yeah. a crazy yeah, game. You did. It's you really did wild. <laughs> and I hope everybody, what I loved about it was, I, I throw little temper tantrums, and when I'm with my friends, it's not embarrassing because, like, they all lean into it. They all oh, laugh no, no, at no. me. It, it's they, embarrassing. Well, it's, it's embarrassing a little bit embarrassing, but, them. like, the main thing is if I do, like, a triple head desk, Hunter is always there laughing very loudly. And it's kind oh, of the, yeah. sig- it's the it signal of, so, like, hey, everyone, so this is okay. And what's great about this Franken game is everybody was on that level, right? So I'm throwing my little tantrums, but everybody's kind of also poking me in the ribs about it and, and really leaning into that. And it really it makes it makes it way better if people react that way to my outbursts than if you took it seriously, because if you take it seriously, then it becomes very, very sad. And I never mean for it to be taken (laughs) seriously. I just am like really wearing my emotions on my sleeves when I play T.I. So I appreciate all the players for for bearing through that. Uh, It's probably one of the biggest outbursts I've ever had. off mic uh you you guys heard plenty of it on mic but you have no idea how much more i was screaming just like in the corner of my desk like just i i was losing my mind i don't think i've ever been more angry uh which is a a credit to snorcerer and how dastardly and terrible he was to me uh so so kudos well, you said the poke into the ribs is part of it what what helped was certainly the fact that you were uh the embodiment of Sar and, and everyone yeah, has a, exactly. a Sar. Sar is a neighborhood bully story that, you know, right. we're, we're on the receiving end of a Sar beating. So to see right. Sar get stuffed in the face, it's just, right. you know, yeah, awesome. everybody's got an axe to grind with Sar, and everybody's got an axe to grind with me, so it just doubled up for a very <laughs> a very good interaction. So I encourage you to watch it again. It should be on our Twitch, and it will be on our YouTube soon if it's not there already. And that's our show. Let's do, let's do some running down. You want to run down, Hunter? Yeah, sure. Uh, you can rate us on your podcast app of choice, um, especially Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. Uh, this show is called Space Cats Peace Turtles. Uh, if you found it for some reason without knowing the name of the show, uh, if you've listened all this way, it, if you type that into your podcast app, you will see the show that you're listening to right now. And if you just go ahead and rate that show, it is in fact the same show that you're listening to with me and Matt and, and Mantis this week on it. Um, so you go ahead and give that as many stars as you feel, I would recommend five. Is kind it's of my recommendation. Number. Yeah, I recommend five, but you, you know, you do, you do, you, you know. And uh, just so you know, this is the been uh, uh, we this is a podcast about monsters, <laughs> about the monster mash yeah. specifically, spooky um, Halloween stories. Yeah, and obviously this week we covered Frankenstein, so yep. you're all up to speed now. Especially if you skipped ahead to the end of the episode, now you totally get what we were talking about. Uh, <laughs> We have a Twitter, Space Cats Pod. Check it out. Uh, game, there's going to be uh, updates, announcements. Uh, check out our Facebook so you can send Matt random rules questions at every hour of the day. I want to. I want to point out. I answered. I definitely answered a question at like 4 a.m. the other day. I I woke up because my cat was making me feed her, and then I just checked my phone real quick, and it's like, oh, there's a quick little rules question. Okay, yeah, I'll answer that real fast. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it really is almost any hour of the night. I will. I will answer your questions. Apparently. 24 7 that's what what he does um you 
you can check out our Twitch channel, Space Cats Peace Turtles, and our YouTube, also the same name. Um, I don't have a job anymore um, be- because I quit it, not because I, I wasn't like fired or something. Um, and what you should be paying attention to is that I'm going to start kind of releasing my loose schedule for Twitch and YouTube um, pretty soon. So if you pay attention to our Twitter, we'll have that information, yeah. uh, probably a Facebook post as well. And and the Twitch itself, I'm probably going to try and get an actual schedule built into the Twitch channel. Yeah. Um, so if you follow if you follow that or you would like to check out our Twitch, please do. Uh, there's going to be a lot more content there. You can check out our Board Game Geek Guild, uh, which is Board Game Geek slash Guild slash 3103. That's like the guild number that you would type in to yep. find our guild because that's how you have to find it. Because thank you, Board Game Geek. <laughs> um, please check out our Patreon. Uh <laughs> We are right on the edge of uh, registration for our Patreon tournament for yep. 2020, which is going to be super crazy. Um, and also, I just want to specifically call out to the Steve Martin fan club to please vote on which uh, version of the game Pokemon you want me to play <laughs> for a Twitch stream. Um, I'm going to be playing one of the new uh, Pokemon's Pokemon Pokemon. 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 The, one of the new Pokemon that come out, uh, I will be playing that Pokemon. Um, and the Steve Martin fan club will get to decide. Uh, and you can also check out our Discord. Uh, please check out our Discord, actually. It's very lots of fun conversations. Um, and also, I just realized it was uh, such a bad idea for me to do, do this rundown. Because you got to talk about comedy now? I also talked, put a bunch of comedy stuff in here. Keep but I do going, give you, baby. I, I do want to give you these comedy dates. It would have been smarter to have Matt do all that other nah, stuff. I don't care. <laughs> Here we go. This is just uh, my, my little corner where I, uh, only I talk and two people sit and listen. Um, so my name's Hunter. Um, if I'm one of the people on the show, Space Cats, Peace Turtles, if you're aware of the show, this is the show that you're listening to. Um, and I'm also in, in, I do this, but I also am a comedian uh, and I'm also another on another podcast called Dumb and Busted, which is a true crime comedy podcast. It's been really, really fun. I've been doing it for a couple months now. Um, And we are doing our first live show together. Um, It's actually going to be this Friday in Portland, Oregon, where I live. Um, It's going to be at the Cruise Room Annex um, on November 1st, which is Friday. Uh, Starts at 730. And it's a free show, but we do suggest a $5 donation. Um, But I mean... You know, if you never even listened to the show before and you're like, I just want to check this out, like just just come by and check it out. If you let me know that you're from Space Cats Beast Turtles, I'm I'm not even gonna care. Just come on out, come see it. Um, I am also gonna be involved in the Pacific Crest Comedy Festival, which is a Portland-based comedy festival happening. This is their first year. Um, there are two, no, no, three shows that I will be on for that. Um, the first one is called Earthquake Hurricane, uh, and that will be at the Siren Theater on Thursday, November 7th at 7 p.m. Those tickets are $10 in advance, $15 at the door. Um, Dumb and Busted, the podcast I was just talking about, is also involved with the Comedy Festival. We are going to be in the Siren Loft, which is right above the Siren Theater, on that same night at 9 p.m. Those tickets are $6 in advance, $10 at Double the door. Double header. So, I'm, yeah, I'm literally going to do a comedy show and then go upstairs and do a comedy podcast, which is great. Um, I am going to be hosting a show for the festival called Hometown Heroes, uh, which is on the Saturday after that. I didn't type in the actual date, but it's a Saturday after that Thursday. Um, that's also at the Siren Theater Loft, which is the upstairs room. That show starts at 8 o'clock, and those tickets are $8 in advance, $12 at the door. All right, one more. Um, <laughs> my my very good friend and cohort, Alex Falcone, um, who is a very uh, popular uh, Portland-based stand-up comedian uh, is moving away to Los Angeles because his life is getting really awesome. Um, he is having a going-away show at the Helium Comedy Club, which is going to be on November 24th at 7 p.m. The tickets are $12, and I will be a part of it. Um, if you're not familiar with Alex's comedy, uh, he is great, and I guarantee that you will like him, and you will also get to see me, so it's a good deal. Um, also, I have been accepted to a festival called Ha Ha Harvest, which is also happening in Portland, which will be the last weekend of the month. But I do not have any of the specific dates yet, so I'm not going to include that in this. But there you go. There are lots of things to look out for. Hunter. If you want to see me do stand-up, please come. It's going to be It's a big the busiest, month. I'm, yeah, I'm busiest man month. in November. It's a big month. <laughs> well, uh, that's great. And 
I'm I'm super excited for all this going on, and I'm excited to be getting the Twitch and everything else off the ground too, because it's something we've been wanting to do for a long time, and uh, yeah, and we've now finally have the the time or you have the time to do I it. have the time to do it <laughs> yes uh and i want to thank you mantis for for bringing this topic to us and making us play uh one of the best games of ti i've ever played yeah and for for just being a part of this uh this was also well uh well overdue uh we were at gen con and you were at gen con but we never got to play together and in fact the day where we like set aside to play a bunch of games you had to leave early that day so you just came in like you ho- you like moderated my game for about four hours or something like that but we haven't actually gotten to play together together i don't think so it was fun to finally get get one game in with you yeah i enjoyed it thank you guys for having me of course, of course dude thank you for frankendraft thank, thank you for you. giving us this monster <laughs> no, nobody's know, ever said you that are to me dr. Before. Mantis, <laughs> you know you are the doctor that made this monster that is now you know doing its thing everywhere that's you you're the doctor mantis dr Steins mantis Mant- Mant- mantis yeah. Steins mantis, monster. mantis Steins monster say that three times fast <laughs> yeah all right thank you so much dr thank mantis you Stein. and and i want to say to everybody happy halloween right this is our halloween episode did you did you feel how it was like kind of spooky the whole time did you catch on to that it's because it, it was, was a halloween episode <laughs> we, we're actually all recording in a basement in the dark with uh, little candles. You guys got candles? Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>